So here's a question for you. Did Theory of Everything uh, win an Academy Award? I think it did some, for something. Anyway, I, am, I like watching the Academy Awards, but I also get frustrated because every year that I want a particular film to win something, it doesn't even like get nominated. You know? So I don't know whether that says more about me or about the Academy as they, uh, you know, as they vote as to what should be best picture, best actor, et cetera. But I do love watching movies, and sometimes I like some obscure films. How many of you have ever uh, seen The Scarlet Pimpernel? 1982, a couple, two or three of you, excellent movie, you've got to see it. It's a 1982 uh, made-for-TV British romantic adventure kind of movie, a lot of fun. There's some romance, there's some intrigue, there's some poetry. I love corny poetry and there's some of that in there. Uh, some sword fighting, it's definitely worth watching and it's set uh, shortly, it's, it's, it's set in about 1792, uh, during what was called the, the Reign of Terror, right after the uh, French Revolution. At this point, you know, the, the people who had risen up are now trying to kill off the aristocracy. And there are uh, a group of British noblemen who take it upon themselves to try to help out and rescue and save their French counterparts. And behind this is the idea of what's known as noblesse oblige, the obligation of the nobility. The idea is that those who are more fortunate, those who have been given more or who are in better circumstances kind of have this, this unwritten obligation to help those who are less fortunate. And so you've got the French, the French aristocracy uh, being uh, interacting with, as they put it, Madame la Guillotine, not a very good situation for them. So their British counterparts come in and they're trying to rescue them. And it's a lot of fun uh, to see that movie. And if you've got some time and if you can find it somewhere, I think it's available on Amazon, you know, grab a copy and watch it. It's definitely worth seeing. But if you're not into you know, obscure made-for-TV British movies, uh, think of Spider-Man, okay, a little bit more up-to-date, a little more, you know, popular kind of movie, probably did win an Academy Award. Uh, and in that movie, Peter Parker, he's the guy who's bitten by a spider and eventually becomes uh, Spider-Man. Uh, after he's bitten by this spider, he, his powers start coming out and becoming stronger and stronger. And he's having difficulty controlling his powers. He's having difficulty knowing how to use them in the most appropriate way. And his Uncle Ben says to him, with great power comes great responsibility. Same basic concept of noblesse oblige. The idea is that Peter, who has been given this superpower, has an obligation to use this power for good rather than for evil. And his uncle is trying to guide him in that direction. You know, people argue back and forth where that, where that phrase, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, where that came from. Some people say it was Franklin Roosevelt, others say it was Voltaire. I think it actually goes all the way back to Jesus. Jesus puts it this way in Luke chapter 12. He says, from, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one whom has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. You know, you think about us, we're not French you know, we're not aristocrats like the, the British were in the Scarlet Pimpernel. We're not superheroes like Peter Parker was in Spider-Man. But we have been given much. I mean, just the fact that we have the freedom to be here this morning, we take that for granted because we're used to it. Most, if not all of us, grew up with the kind of freedom, religious freedom. You can believe. You don't have to believe. You can go to church. You don't have to go to church. It's a freedom that so many people around the world don't enjoy. And 
yeah, our economy isn't in the strongest shape it has ever been at this point in history. But when you compare us to the rest of the world, our economy is incredibly good. And we have pretty good health care. We've got great education system. We have so many different opportunities. We have been given much, and there's an obligation, and in some sense an unwritten obligation, that we have to share what we have been given with those who are less fortunate. And Jesus is essentially saying that here in Luke chapter 12. And then you connect that, you think about our year verse. Each year we set aside, we, we pick one verse to kind of be our theme verse for the year to guide us and to, to help us to focus uh, some of our messages and our, and our ministries. And, and if you've been here for the last couple of months, we've been talking about it. It says, you will receive power. Jesus is speaking to his followers. He says, you will receive power. I'm going to give you something when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus is saying is, I am empowering you to be a blessing to the rest of the world. I am empowering you to tell the rest of the world about me. I'm empowering you to change the world. And in some sense, that's an obligation that we have. And I want to be careful because it's not an obligation in the sense of a duty that we have to do grudgingly. I think Jesus wants us to do it willingly. He wants us to do it excitedly as we're singing. You know, we want to lift up your name, Lord. We're excited for what you have done. We're grateful for what you have given us. And whether it's Peter Parker in Spider-Man or the British nobleman in the Scarlet Pimpernel, or whether it's us, we want to be sharing. We want to be using what God has given and what God has entrusted to us. And one of the ways in which God has blessed us, one of the ways that he's gifted us, uh, those of us who are followers of Jesus, is by giving us what the Bible refers to as spiritual gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to spend a little bit of time this morning looking at that concept and trying to understand that a little bit, unpack that a little bit, and really helping us to understand how it is that God has gifted us, and then a little bit of how he wants us to use the gifts that he's given us. So the Apostle Paul, who was one of the leaders of the early Christian church, uh, wrote a letter to some Christians, to some followers of Jesus in the city of Ephesus. And in that letter, he says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and then he quotes from the Old Testament from Psalm 68, he says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, the people in Ephesus would have understood what Paul was referring to it at that point because it fit more with their culture, with their immediate culture than it, did, than it does with ours. When he said he ascended on high, took captives and gave gifts to people, what it's referring to is this concept of a king who had gone out to battle, conquered the foreign land, come back with the spoils, and then distributed those as gifts to his people. And so it was kind of a, it was a celebration, and he gave gifts to his people. And Paul is taking that concept, and he's applying it to what Jesus has done. He's saying, Jesus, when he ascended on high, when he rose from the dead after his crucifixion, when he went back up into heaven, he has now come back and has given us, as his followers, gifts. So he's ascended on high, he's come back in the person of the Holy Spirit, and he's given gifts to his people. And Paul goes on to say, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people 
for works of service. And in this particular passage, Paul lists several different what are called gifts of the Holy Spirit, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, etc. There are actually five different lists in the New Testament of spiritual gifts. And if you've been around churches for any length of time, you've probably heard a number of those different gifts listed. And they fall kind of into three basic categories. One category or one group of gifts are those that are used for communicating truth. For example, evangelism, pastoring, teaching. So someone who is a gifted teacher is communicating truth and helping people to understand it. Someone who is a gifted evangelist is telling other people about who Jesus is and what he's done. So that's one kind of set of gifts, the, the kind of gifts that God gives us to, to be able to communicate truth. Another kind of set of gifts would be those that are for the meeting of physical or emotional, perhaps even spiritual needs. And so in some of the passages in the New Testament, you'll read about a gift of encouragement. It's someone whom God has gifted to really be able to encourage other people in a sense, in a supernatural way. We're all supposed to encourage one another, but we all probably know at least one person, if not multiple people, who are really good at sensing the needs that people have around them and encouraging them. Another gift that falls into this category might be the gift of, of mercy. It's someone whose heart is just drawn to the physical and emotional needs that people have. So they can't rest unless they are helping somebody who's in need. Another gift in this area might be the gift of service. It's just somebody who just loves helping, maybe in a physical way. Maybe they're the person who's gonna come and just say, you know what, I'm gonna drive you to that doctor's appointment because I know that afterwards you're not gonna be able to drive yourself home. They wanna serve in whatever particular way it is and they don't feel like they need to get the credit for that. And when someone has that kind of a gift, God uses them in the lives of the people around them. So we've got gifts of communicating truth, we've got gifts of meeting physical, emotional needs. And then there's other people who are gifted in terms of, of say, giving direction. Someone who's a born leader, people just follow them. It's natural, wherever they are, people just seem to naturally want to follow that person. Or someone who is gifted with administration or organizing, they're just so good. They can take a group of people, they can take a situation, they can see this, what, what looks to, to most of the rest of us like chaos, and God has gifted them with the ability to bring order out of chaos. And so those are just some of the examples, and if you read through the different lists of gifts in the New Testament, you can see that there's just a huge range of ways in which God has gifted his people. And the purpose of all of those gifts is to help other people and to accomplish God's mission on earth. And ultimately, ultimately that mission is about reconciling us to our creator from whom we've been separated because of our sin, because of our disobedience, because of our rebellion against him. Paul puts it this way. He says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, he says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. And I love the way he puts that because sometimes we get this feeling like my gift, whatever way in which I'm particularly gifted, that's a gift to me for me. And in fact, what Paul is saying is, no, it's a gift to you for the benefit of other people and for the glory of God. 
And it's interesting because he says he gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave pastors, he gave teachers. Notice what he's saying. He's saying he gave gifted people to the church. He gave gifted people to the world. And that's a perspective that help us, helps us in the midst of all of this to keep a level of, of humility because as we discover how God has gifted us, as we discover what we really do well, it's easy to get this inflated sense of ourselves. It's easy, easy for our egos to be built up because we do enjoy using the gifts that God has given us. But Paul is saying, I want you to remember, first of all, these gifts came from God to you and they came to you for the benefit of other people and for the glory of God. And so that's what Paul is saying here uh, in, in Ephesians chapter four. And Peter says it in 1 Peter, and Paul says it again in the book of 1 Corinthians. So it's all over the New Testament. Paul and Peter talk about these, these different things. And having some understanding, knowing how God has gifted us as individuals can help us to get a better idea of the kind of role that he wants us to play in his plan in accomplishing his mission. And some of you may already be familiar, some of you may have spent some time thinking about and praying about and, and considering how God has gifted you. Others may have never really seriously considered that. Uh, and there are a number of different ways that uh, Christians throughout the ages have used to try to help them to figure out what their spiritual gifts might be. One sort of approach is using uh, you know, a test like a Myers-Briggs personality test or the, the Kiersey temperament sort of. Those can give you an idea of your personality. And so if you've got the gift of, let's just say, encouragement, you might be able to discern that somewhat from tests like that because they're gonna tell you about the empathy that you have for other people. And so those kinds of tests are helpful. And then there are other tests that are similar. They take the same kind of approach, maybe asking you 50, 75, 100 different questions about what you like to do, what you don't like to do, what excites you, what embalms you, you know, et cetera. And you can find those sorts of tests, say, online. And at the end of taking that test, it might say, looks like you might have the gift of encouragement or mercy or leadership or administration or teaching or, or, or whatever it may be. And those can be helpful but every once in a while, you run into some of those, you know, some of them that are a little bit hokey, kind of like the quizzes that you see on Facebook. How many of you have ever taken those quizzes on Facebook, right? Okay, so I took one back in December. It was uh, just before the new Star Wars movie came out, and it said, which Star Wars character are you most like? And after I finished taking the test, I came out as Yoda, and I was kind of like, that is cool, other than the short, dumpy little part of it. I like the wisdom aspect of it. So I took another one this week, and it said, Based on your vocabulary, let us try to guess your age. I came out as 68. Did not like that one at all. Then there was another one that I had taken. Can you tell I do this from time to time? There was another one. It was like, which state, in which state should you be living? And I can't remember the exact state, but it was like one of those, and I'm sorry if I'm going to offend somebody here, one of those like really obscure states like North Dakota. You know, like you should be living in North Dakota. And then I looked and I realized it was probably set up by the Bismarck, North Dakota Chamber of Commerce, you know. So... Some of those sorts of things are hokey, but some of them can be really helpful. But what I want to do this morning is give you a different approach to trying to discern, trying to figure out, trying to understand how God might have gifted you. And it involves asking yourself three questions. And it's asking yourself these three questions in a very reflective, prayerful, and, and honest way. So, 
question number one to ask yourself is, what do I do well? What do I do well? Some of you are incredibly creative. And if you are incredibly creative, admit that to yourself. Maybe you're creative in a musical or an artistic sense. Maybe you're creative in a way of being able to look at a business situation and come up with a way of solving a business problem in a way that nobody else is able to see. That's creativity. So your creativity may express itself in different ways, but if God has gifted you with a measure of creativity, recognize that, and then later on we're gonna talk about asking God how he wants us to use that gift. Others of you are amazing teachers. You're able to take complicated subjects, boil them down into their essence, and help other people to learn those things and to understand them and to get excited about the concepts that you're teaching. Some of you are born leaders, as I mentioned before. People just follow you. You walk into a room and people just want to know what you're thinking. And when you're in an organization, even if you're not the designated leader, people end up following you. If that's the case, celebrate it. Thank God for that because that's how God has created you to be. Others of you are just really good at encouraging people. You can sense when somebody is discouraged. This is not how, how I am. There are people in my life, though, that are able to sense when somebody else is discouraged. I remember one time my wife was asking me uh, about a student that I was working with when we were, we were doing uh, university work, and she asked how he was doing. I said, he's doing fine. And she says, are you sure? I said, look, I just spent an hour and a half with him today. We talked. He's doing great. She says, I don't know. I, I think there's something wrong there. Well, of course, Anne is right about that. The guy was just going through this really difficult time, and I was totally oblivious to it. But she has that gift, that sensitivity, and that gift of encouragement. So if God has gifted you that way, recognize it and celebrate it and be excited about it. I don't know how God has gifted each of you, but I do know that God has gifted each of us who are followers of Christ. And so take some time to ask yourself and to ask God, what do I do particularly well? But also make sure that you're realistic about it because sometimes we can be a little bit unrealistic. For example, I like to sing. I like to sing and I feel like I'm pretty good at recognizing good singing. I can tell when people are on key, when they're off key, you know, when, when, they're, when their emotions are in it and when they're doing it well. And so I feel pretty good about that. But a few years ago, I was standing in my usual place over here up front and I'm listening to, you know, and I'm singing along as we're worshiping God, you know, near the beginning of the service. And I hear this singer on stage and one of them, I'm not gonna say who it was, was just off key. Um, and that's to put it nicely and kindly and gently. They were a little bit pitchy. They couldn't, you know, hold the tune exactly right. So I started praying, you know, Lord, help that person to be able to get, you know, get right back on key. And so I started trying to figure out who it was who was off key. And in order to do that, because you know, when you sing, you hear yourself in your head and you need to be able to, to listen to somebody else. So I stopped singing. And what was amazing is about the same time as I stopped singing, <laughs> the person on stage started singing great. I was like, what is the deal here? How does my singing affect them? And then I realized I got this little microphone on and normally, you know, like when Andrew is back there, 
They turn down the microphone, you know, during the singing time. We had a substitute that day. So I don't even need to continue the story. You get the point. Have a realistic understanding. If you are not a gifted singer, don't pretend that you are, okay? And the same goes in, 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 you know, in the other areas of your life. You know, ask yourself what you do well, but be realistic about it. Okay, so first question, what do I do well? Second question, what am I really passionate about? What am I passionate about? And I chose the word passionate because I want us to go beyond enjoyment. It's good to understand what you enjoy doing, but ask yourself, what am I really, really passionate about? For example, you might enjoy watching sports. You might even enjoy, you know, shooting hoops a little bit or whatever, but you are passionate about helping people. There's a difference between enjoying something and being passionate about it. You might like listening to music, but you're passionate about organizing a group of people to accomplish a task. You can't rest if something is disorganized and you are passionate about getting it organized. Don't just ask yourself what you like to do. Ask yourself what you have to do. And that'll give you somewhat of an idea of how God has gifted you. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying using your spiritual gift. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about your spiritual gift. If you've grown up in, in various churches from time to time, someone will say, no, you really shouldn't be enjoying it. it should, it's, a, it's a duty, it's an obligation. And if you're taking too much pleasure in it, there's something wrong with that. That does not come from the New Testament. That does not come from the Bible. It doesn't come from God. It comes from Immanuel Kant, the idea that something does not have redeeming value in it if we actually derive pleasure from it. It's not from Jesus, it's from Kant. Jesus would absolutely say that we ought to be enjoying using the gifts that he's given us. He wants us to serve him, not just with our hands and our mouths and our feet, he wants us to serve him with our hearts. The Apostle Paul puts it this way when he's talking about giving, and some people have a gift of giving. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not out of guilt, not because you have to, for God loves a cheerful giver. And Paul is saying that really to all of us. And I have a friend who has the gift of giving. He loves giving. I remember he came to me one day and he said, Clay, you've got the gift of teaching and people ask you to teach. I've got the gift of giving. Why don't people come to me and ask me to give? He's just got a passion for seeking out Christian ministries and people who are in need and using the financial resources that God has entrusted to him, using those to help other people and to advance God's mission to advance God's plan around the world. And he enjoys, he loves doing that. And that's the kind of heart that I think God wants us to have. So ask yourself the question, what am I really passionate about? Not just what do I like to do, but what do I have to do? I can't rest unless I do that. So, so far we've asked ourselves a couple of questions. What do I do well? What am I passionate about? And if you take those two questions, you take the overlap of those two questions, you 
you probably have a pretty good idea of how God has gifted you. But there's one more really crucial question that we need to ask ourselves, and that is, how has God used me? How have I seen God use me in the life of other people? What have other people said to me about how God has used me in their life? How has God used me to help others and to advance his mission? And sometimes someone will come to you and say, you know what, you just are a person who really encourages me. Or you've explained that to me in a way that I've never been able to understand that before. You know what, I just love the way you lead because you do so with grace and humility, but also with confidence and I would really, I really appreciate the opportunity to follow you. And so sometimes asking other people how God has gifted us is a great way to figure it out. The Apostle Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God gifts us to serve others. So Peter continues, he says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter's point in this passage is God gifts each of us for the purpose of serving others and bringing glory to God. So ask yourself, what do I do well? What am I passionate about doing? But also ask yourself that third crucial question, how has God used me in the lives of other people and in ways that advance his plan and his purposes here on the earth? And as I mentioned, don't hesitate for a second to ask other people. Ask if you're married, ask your husband, ask your wife. If you've got a close friend, ask them. Ask a coworker, somebody whom you trust, a neighbor, a friend, whomever it might be. Ask other people to speak into your life because sometimes it's difficult for us to see how God has gifted us, but it's really easy for other people to see. So ask them that question as well, and they can help you to get an understanding and to discern how God might have gifted you. I want to put a diagram up on the screen that kind of pulls all of this together. You'll see these three overlapping circles. Lower left talks about our ability. That's that question, what do I do well? Our affinity, what am I passionate about? What do I just have to do because it's burned into my heart and burned into my soul? And then affirmation, how has God used me? And where those three come together in the middle, when I find something that I do well, when I find something that I'm passionate about, and when I find something that God has used me in other people's lives, then likely I found the way in which God has gifted me. And there may be more than one thing in the center there for you. Maybe there's only one. I don't know. But God has gifted each of us, and he wants us to use those gifts for other people. And as I answer these questions for myself, I think... And from what people have told me, I think one of my spiritual gifts may be teaching. Okay, my friend has the spiritual gift of giving. I think Anne, my wife, has the spiritual gift of encouragement. What's yours? I don't know. 
But I want you to take some time and to ask yourself these questions. In fact, that's the challenge that I want to give you this week. Take some time, and I don't mean like five minutes. I mean, take a while, an hour, two, whatever it may take. Go on a long walk and be super prayerful about it. Get away, away from all of the distractions and ask yourself the three questions that, that fit with this circle. What do I do well? What is my ability? What's my affinity? What am I passionate about? And where have I seen affirmation? How have I seen God use me? So ask yourself those questions, ask them prayerfully, and then ask a trusted friend to help you to, to just bounce those ideas off of them to make sure that you're being realistic about it. And then after you've taken some time and you've got a pretty good idea of, of how God may have gifted you, then ask yourself this one more question. Actually, don't ask yourself, ask God. Pray and ask God and say, Lord, how would you have me use the gifts that you've given to me? How do you want to use me to be a blessing to the people around me to advance your mission on this earth? What is my role, Lord, in your plan? How do you want me to live in light of the things that you've given to me? There's a pastor down in North Carolina named J.D. Greer. He's the, the guy that uh, actually came up with that three overlapping circles uh, diagram. And as I was reading a book that he had written, I, I came across this sentence that he wrote that I think just fits so well with what we're talking about. He says, whatever you are good at, do it well for the glory of God and do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. I love the way he puts that. When you know what God has empowered you to do, do it well, do it for the glory of God, giving God the credit and do it for the mission of God because God has gifted each of us for his purposes, which include blessing other people and helping them to come to have a right relationship with the God who loves us so much that he sent his son to be the savior of the world. So ask God, Lord, how have you gifted me and how would you have me use those gifts ultimately to bring glory to you and blessing to the people around me? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you're a God who loves us. I thank you that you're a God who gives, gives gifts to us. Thank you for the talents, for the abilities, for the spiritual gifts that you have given to us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to understand how you've made us, how you've gifted us. And when we have that understanding, Father, I pray that we would be excited, that we'd be passionate about using the gifts that you have given us, about using them to bring glory to yourself and blessing to other people. And I pray that as we use those gifts, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that other people would be blessed, they would be encouraged, they would be strengthened, they would be drawn closer and closer to you. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen.